Hello, what's going on, Reinforced Running Podcast? My name is Rich Ryan. Hello. Today, we have Anthony Kunkel on the show. He is a professional ultra athlete who has two uh, U.S. titles under his belt. Very accomplished as an athlete, super knowledgeable coach, and very passionate about growing the sport and supporting athletes. So we do a lot of talking about that as the conversation kicks off. And then we get into some really cool kind of like nuts and bolts of... Uh, how to take your performance to the next level outside of training. So there's some topics that we do touch on that we've never talked about before on this very podcast. So you are in for a treat. Some of these things are very much uh, expanding your mind, seeing what your body's capable of, and a lot of mindfulness talk in this. So really cool to explore these type of conversations with a guy who is super knowledgeable and very passionate like Anthony. So let's get to it. Anthony Kunkel. All right, Anthony Kunkel is here. What's up, man? How are you? Dude, excellent, man. I'm I'm back home from a little bit of travel, and feels great to be home. I got in my sauna this morning and laid out in the sun this afternoon, and had a workout with Miguel Medina. You probably know that guy. This Heard morning. the name? Yep. Yeah, I know him a little bit. The uh, so you were doing is the sauna thing? Is it the sauna space? Is that your business or what is what is that? that I mean, I am sauna space, but it's that definitely is not you. My business. It's definitely not my business. No, <laughs> the guy's name's Brian. He's the whatever owner, founder, CEO. He's got that classic, that classic heartwarming story of like, I needed this to exist for me. And then it turns out there was a business here. And so I went ahead and just like, here I am. And it's, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's hands down the best sauna option on the market. I mean, with, with no constraint over, you know, I would do anything I had to. If I had to build a shed to put in a new sauna, I would do it. If I had to, if I had to, you know, what what I would I would figure out whatever the cost would be associated with it. So to work with a company that's that's like totally affordable and in home is kind of just a coincidence for me, really. So the so when I see I follow you on Instagram and I know you from some mutual friends, uh, Josh Reed, uh, DJ Fox, friends of the podcast as well. I know they spent some time with you back there. When I see you, you're a lot of red light. Is that what the the sauna space is? Is it is it a red light sauna or what exactly is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a near infrared sauna. So it's incandescent bulbs as opposed to LEDs. So it bakes you from depending on whose I don't know whose literature you're looking at, you know, three inches, two inches, nine inches, like it'll get all the way into your body, even into your skull. And so it's while it might only be you know 100 degrees or like our red mill is probably 85 i've measured it at hmm. but it's cooking you from the inside out so it's kind of hard to quantify because it's such a strong wavelength but there's benefits to the mitochondria there's benefits to gut health there's benefits to you know you as everybody they get here and i'm like go ahead go in there bake your nads and come out here and give me a hug because it's the best thing ever <laughs> so there, there's benefits to everything you know increasing thyroid hormone and, and collagen and elastin so We'll see. If everyone at the house is always just like looking bronzed and sexy all the time, then we'll know that it's working. So the and the infra, that's the infrared that is doing that, right? Is is yeah. what you're speaking to. Um, and it, that's interesting. It doesn't have to get that hot. I didn't realize that was the case because you see infrared stuff even in fabrics. Is that legitimate when you see like infrared tights? How how could it, that work? It probably is. I mean, anytime that you're putting off, anytime that you're putting off whatever wavelengths of heat that can that can travel through space like that um this is really a chemistry question i mean what, what is it convection versus 
versus oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever we're dealing with. I Wrong don't know. One we here. have to go back to like middle school chemistry and act like we knew this stuff again. But yeah, I mean, there's there's like radiant heat that's coming off of here, and then there's stuff that's it's closer to a microwave where it's just hitting water in your body and and heat up into. Okay, got it. So that so that's with the the red light as well. So I wasn't sure if it was if what exactly the red light was because I mean there's. If, if like your whole house was lit with red light just to keep blue light down or, but it's the actual infrared piece of this, of the sun. How often do you, do you use stuff like that? I've, I mean, I understand the benefits of it a little bit. I just have, I haven't really had the uh, access to, to using sauna as part of like my, my training routine. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of different aspects, right? So there's the heat aspect that is truly independent of the light aspect. Mm-hmm. You, you could really do, you know, for years and years and years, I did conventional saunas and steam rooms. And I do think there's, there's just that classic hormetic response. Like Rhonda Patrick calls it hyperthermic conditioning of you get your body uncomfortably hot. And there's a lot of benefits, certainly that, that crossover and weave into endurance performance mm-hmm. and muscular recovery and, and all kinds of just a laundry list of things. And that's all really strictly about the heat. So the, the red light on top of that simulating mitochondrial benefits, that's kind of a totally separate thing. And then the light exposure. So like when the sun sets at the house, we use exclusively red light. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have a sauna space photon in the kitchen and we have a vital red light in the family room and the vital red lights much brighter, but the sauna space is like a, a more pleasing light. And so we, we use exclusively red light after the sun sets and that's supposed to stop um, the disruption of melatonin production. So right. like blue light's great. It's just only great until about 1 PM, you know, it's only great you want to, till you want it to be kind of, you know, dropping down that, that natural kind of circadian encouragement. So that gets into like sleep and health and wellness and all kinds of things like that. So we really are kind of like taking all these things a la carte and using them to, to separate uses around the house. But you do see a lot of red light. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's an addiction, man. I mean, we'll, we'll get you out to the house at some point. And For sure. Day one, you're like, screw it, man. I can't see my dinner. This is ridiculous. I'm gonna use my phone flashlight to light the house. And by by day three, you're like, I ordered a photon. It's gonna be there when I get home. <laughs> it's just it, you change immediately. So yeah, I. I really want to dive into a lot of these pieces. We have a couple topics that I want to dig into a little bit more that uh, you had mentioned to me just the other day when we were chatting, but just kind of let people know uh, what you kind of got going on with the ultra house is something that I find really interesting and really compelling. And it's, it's, it's inspirational to me as well for like what you got going on out there for what I understand it to be. And um, so I would love to just kind of have you explain that. And then we'll kind of get into some of these uh, like performance would you call them hacks? Are you are you calling them hacks? And yeah, hack hack is fine. Hack interventions is fine. makes it sound very good. Much better, much better. <laughs> These performance interventions, and we can just kind of dig into that. And that's one thing that I am interested about because, like, you talked about how we're like taking it all apart and piecing them together, and like, what's the hierarchy? And that's something that I'm that I'm interested in is like, where yeah. should people go first, and what sh- what should people check off before they start? Yeah, like using red light instead of blue light. You know what I mean? Um, no. I- Absolutely. So, and, yeah, so and just being factor, there's kind of, there's kind of, yeah, man. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of this confluence of, of these ideas here in, in that I've spent years and years and years trying to be the best runner that I possibly can. And, and I'm just so curious. That's, that's kind of the, the, the primary driver driving factor in all this is curiosity, which 
I would say is, is very abnormal in the running world. I think, I think the driving thing for a lot of certainly pure runners, like ultra marathon runners and marathoners is talent. And I'm not trying to be harsh about it, but it's like, it's a Mm. beautiful, amazing display of what their bodies are naturally really, really good at. Whereas like running is just something that I enjoy doing. And therefore, if I want to, you know, make a living doing it and not have to do anything else or answer to anybody, then I need to find ways to, to get faster and faster and faster without, you know, obviously I I can't go back and pick my parents better. So I'm just always going to be somebody that's kind of mesomorphic and kind of explosive and kind of a lot of well-rounded athletic things that I don't get to use over a marathon. Right. It's like, I, I waited in a buck 37 this morning marathon race weight is probably like to Olympic trials qualify. I'll probably have to weigh 125. So it's like, I'm not Mm. like, I don't really have weight to lose. So that's like, you're cold in the grocery store. Your libido is horrible. You're waking up every night to pee. It's like your, your health and wellness is like way down here to get an extra, you know, three, four minutes off your marathon time. But that's, that's kind of like neither here nor there. But what, what I'm looking at is I've kind of contrived my life and, and put all these things together and worked my way into a more optimized way of living and a more optimized set of, of training protocols and supplementation and, and lifestyle factors that I can use that are shareable. You know, that that's kind of the cool thing about this versus just raw talent is like, if somebody's just ridiculously good at something, it's cool and it's inspiring and it's awesome to see and it's worth money, right? Certainly to sponsors, but you can't like bottle that and gift that to anybody. Whereas mm-hmm. all the interventions that I'm doing, I can. And so that, that was one of the big motivating factors of like, I'm just going to share my space. I'm going to share all my, all my thoughts, all my stuff. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and I'm wrong all the time, but it's like a swing and a miss doesn't cost you anything. You know, ultimately these are very big, strong, like primordial forces that we're dealing with here. And, you know, we're, we're dealing with things that would have been life or death for most of human history. And we've, we've gamified them. Like we're, we're turning them into a game. You know, if you, if you blow up at a race and I just did last weekend, it doesn't matter. Like I'm not, I'm not going to die because of that. I'm not actually going to like miss a deer and I'm not going to starve. My dog's not going to starve. You know, my training team isn't going to starve. Whereas like for, for 3.2 million years, that would have been the case. You would have actually starved. And so I like bringing people into my space and sharing all this stuff that I can then share the, the lifestyle and the, how exactly I do it. And I am egotistically under the impression that if I took somebody who was actually talented and slipped them into my life, the the whole game would change so much that guys like me would be totally obsolete overnight. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think the average talented person is, is competing. You know, once you start winning, you're getting the feedback that you're winning and that you're good enough. And so you're not willing to do all the little things that, that you, that are probably at your disposal. And then that's really, like to my mind that quickly gets into the idea of like PEDs. I mean, people, mm. I think people are doing PEDs that would be better served by eating sardines every day. I mean, I think <laughs> it's like you're, you're on EPO, but like your omega threes are down here and your zinc is down here and your sleep is down here and your vitamin D is down here. And it's like, dude, you could get that 6%, which the literature says, I mean, it's 6% off of your times, like off of your actual performance times for EPO. That's huge. I mean, that I understand, but it's like, we could get you all that clean. And not only that, but in 20 years, you'll be grateful that you did it this way instead of that way. And so I've really just built this whole crazy elaborate circus of a life with all these different hacks and, and toys and stuff that I like to play with. And I'm driven to share it. And so as, as I've, as I've, kind of garnered more and more sponsor support. I don't need to rent out my rooms. You know, I have a 1300 square foot trailer in Durango and I run full time. And it's like, this is a really expensive town to live in. This is everything's expensive here. And so 
as soon as I got, you know, an extra small retainer from a sponsor and didn't have to rent out one of my rooms just to, just to feed myself, I opened that room to athletes and, it's, mm-hmm. and then ultimately I opened the second room and then ultimately I opened the second room and I put two triple bunk beds in it. And now I can host anybody that wants to come through here and people can just hit me up last minute. Even if I'm not home, come on into the house, use the sauna, get the cold plunge out back and, and really just like slip into this monastic artistic life. And, and, you know, they can play with all my toys and really dive into whatever that is for them. And is that something that kind of came about as you were kind of piecing all these things together? And it, it seems like you you obviously are open, right? You want you want to bring people in. And is that just kind of the person that you are and kind of like your mentality as a whole that like as soon as you had this space, you're like, I need to share this, right? Like it's not about uh, prospering off of this area that I now have. Like how did the how did the idea of Ultra House come come to you? I think it was a huge I, I was I was struggling as like a whatever 17, 18, 19, 20 year old. Like what does this look like? You know, how how do I make this work? What what is this? Because you know, the contracts are are ridiculous. You know, this guy this guy just happens to run for Nike because he really likes Nike. It's like, no, dude, Nike pays him, you know, living wage yeah. to wear Nike stuff. So it's like what and, and then in the ultra running world and I I haven't bumped into this as much in the OCR world, I think because the prize money's bigger so people can see it. It's, it's a little more tangible for them. But the average ultra runner is under the impression that, that you can't make this professional, even after being on the course with full-time professionals that don't work jobs. It's like, well, how do you think that guy affords health insurance? You know, like that guy has a kid. How do you think he affords his, his mortgage? What, what do you think he's doing? It's like, and there, there's just this really odd disconnect where people don't, athletes don't talk about it and sponsors don't want them to right if you if you were a company I, I would want you to tell the whole world that i'm paying you to like my stuff whether you like it or not I, pe- people there's this little conflict going on there and so you're in this really odd scenario where i was just an ambitious like 17 year old kid and i liked the advice that if you want to do something find somebody that's already done it and ask them how they did it what could be more conclusive and there's no one to talk to there's no one to ask it's like well how how do people do it and so you're kind of just left taking these shots in the dark about like you know, the, these correlational things like this dude keeps a blog or this dude does this or this dude shoots media or, or whatever, whatever it might be. And so I was really at liberty, I guess, to create this however I wanted. And it seemed mm. appropriate to me to have a proper team and have some shared sponsorship and have really have some some friction around the house in, in a good way and and have a proper you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like a cross country team. You know, right now, Josh and DJ are both getting back to the house this month. And Skyler's here full time now, so that's you know that's that's four of us, and then you need one more to score. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's there's Abby that slides in, and and you know there, there's a few other people that'll that'll be in and out. And like you know, obviously I worked out with Miguel this morning. It's like he's always around. He lives right here in town, and so like we really have a proper team at this point. So we can crew each other. We can do product reviews together. We can shoot media together, and and not only that, but we can we can push each other and, and hang out together and and be our our first fan you know biggest fan that's fine but like that person that says hey you guys like you've seen me do workouts like who is more comfortable at 545 pace than me it's like that's that's 100k world record pace guys like i think i can do that and they'll look you square in the face and say yeah you you can totally do that i've seen it (laughs) it's like that's powerful man that 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 helps you not feel like it's just healthy delusion or maybe unhealthy delusion but is something a little more tangible and then there's something mm-hmm. to be said for just going out there and and being even easy runs, not having to grit your teeth to get out the door, but instead having friends to go like laugh off your soreness with. 
And so I've always kind of known that the best athletes in the world, you know, the Northeast Africans and, and I've been fortunate to run at the Raramari and Copper Canyon, like the Tarumara, like go down there, run with them. And it's like the number of eggs that they throw against the wall to get the performances that they get is obscene. I mean, it's mm. genuinely unbelievable to an American. We think that like you finish at all costs and you know, you grit it out and you get a second place or whatever, and that that has value, but they just don't see it that way. They, they go out there and say, well, I'm going to have the day of my life and I'm going to win the Boston marathon. And, and like, you know, everybody says, well, that was stupid. Why would you think you could do that? And he's like, well, why, why wouldn't I, you know, I'm training with the best in the world. And if, if, if I am to ever do this, I have to believe that I'm going to do it. And so, you know, I dropped out today, 10 K in, but I don't care. I'm still the same person and I can still set this record. I can still run this race. I can still run these times. I can still win this, this event. And I think there's, there's a certain level of that's not delusion. I mean, that's, that's the acknowledgement of possibilities of, of infinite possibilities. And so the team to me is this really reciprocal thing where I think we're meant to have that. And so if I have a platform that I can reach people and I can, I can share what I'm doing on a personal level and really like in person, then that adds a lot of value to, to me and to them and to this whole idea and to sponsors, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a house full of us all using like Lactigo, for example, or Ketone Aid. I mean, these are things that like, you see us roll into to world championship levels. You know, we were at the Spartan Ultra World Champs. We were at uh, WTM, just an obstacle course racing world. And to say nothing about ultra events and things like that. And, you know, we're rolling up into these events and we're, we're decked out with the stuff that we earnestly believe is the best because we've all tried it. And when you are in this position, the ultimate privilege is not to not have to work a job. In my mind, the ultimate privilege is to be able to, to be able to try all this stuff all the time. It's like, oh, you have the stuff you like, send it to us. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm a huge freaking deal. Send me that stuff. And in days, I'll let you know if it works, you know? And then it's like, we have real earnest content. And like, that's, that's something that the, the, the world is starved for and companies will pay for and people will benefit from. Yeah, the the attention piece is is interesting, right? When talking about sponsors and figuring out what is the valuable thing that 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 they want, because I agree, that's what I want. I want the the real part because everything is so fabricated yep. now, right? Everything yep. is so curated that it's like, all right, you're posting this nutrition product now, but I know last year it was a different nutrition product because they're just this is just the one that's going to back you now. Like, do you care? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, this doesn't say anything about what this product is. So like you guys seem like you are really coming from a place of authenticity. Do our, our sponsors like responding to that? I, Cause I think, I feel like people in general are looking for that more than, or, or will. And I think that's the way that content is going to go down the road, but are, are our sponsors feeling it that way? There was a few years where I wouldn't have said yes, but I'm going to say yes now. It's taken some time. It definitely takes some time because what you're dealing with is I have to find somebody that that is okay, you know, sending me stuff. And that's easy. But then I have to to sift through the, the dozens of things that I've been sent. And take the time to, you know, I tell people you have to make very still water to see the ripples on it. You know, I have, I have to take the time to go into what I call monk mode and control everything in my life except one variable to find out, is this really working? Is this really doing what they claim? Is this doing something else? Can I find something else about it? And and does this work? And then if I think it works or if it's promising for me, then I'll cycle on, cycle off, cycle on, cycle off. And I might I might pass it out and say, hey, Miguel, you got to try this out. You know, hey, Josh, you got to try this out, DJ. Here, here's what I'm finding. Try it for these kind of sessions and see what you find. And then when they give us positive feedback, 
I can hit up that company and say, hey, listen, we love this. It's great. And a lot of the time they'll say, oh, that's so wonderful. You know, we, we appreciate that. And that's it. That's the end of it. And, another, you know, that's a quarter of the time. And then another quarter of the time, it's like, oh, great. We'll send you all loads of product. But, you know, it's we can't we can't pay for your events or we can't do anything like that. And it's like, well, then we're, we're going to sell you, you know, brand width for, for that. And then we got to have something in return. So you, it does, it really does take the right, the right product. It has to work. And then I have to like them. We have to like them. And then they have to like us enough to do this. But we're mm. at the point now where, you know, we have an in-home media dude. We can, we can take monies that would have already been spent. Right. It, it's like, okay, I get it. You don't pay athletes. That's, you don't do paid endorsements. That's fine. Do you pay for media? Do you pay for blogs? Do you pay for events? You know, what if we go to a trade show? We'll roll into a, into a trade show, and instead of a bunch of Chads and Beckys saying, these are ketones, you know, mm-hmm. you can have us that are like, hey, listen, at the World Champs, when I was 18 hours deep into this, like DJ at, at, at WTM, WTM. Yeah. he was putting in the fastest laps of the day for like eight hours in a row on the back half of that. And it's like, sure, the dude's tough. Sure, he's smart. He's a, he's a great human being, independent of that. But it's like, we were we were trickling in ketones and all the stuff that he was doing. And the evidence is that that will extend you in a way like that. What what more earnest shout out could you possibly give? What better endorsement could you give to that? So to have us roll into an event where it's like, hey, you're going to pay a bunch of Beckys to stand there and just be booth babes next to your stuff. Just send us send us out there you know, pay our travel. We'll do a race that weekend somewhere close by and then pay us mm. the booth. It's like, that's kind of what I'm leaning into now. And then on the same model of just total accessibility, like you can just show up to my house. And for, you know, the joke, we have a, we have a May camp, May 14th or the 21st. I'm calling it project mayhem fight club reference. You know, the gotcha. first rule project yep. mayhem is don't ask questions. And so like we, we have all of this stuff and there's no formal itinerary. There's no anything, but people kind of get it at this point. Like, you know, what's on brand, you know what to expect here. And so the, the breath work and the sound healing and the sauna and the cold and the group and all this stuff. And so I think that the next step would be monetizing that a little bit, you know, asking, asking people that this would be the trip of a lifetime to come out here and train with mm. all of us and just have complete accessibility. And then for somebody who's working like a big boy job, big girl job, they could throw us 500 bucks or a thousand bucks and not miss it. So to just hop up in a bunk for, for a week or two weeks or whatever time you can you can swing and not let money be the constraint, but let your own your own freedom be the constraint and then just throw us what you think it was worth. That's kind of the next step that's that's worth it. And that's something else that adds sponsor value, because when you come here and you see all the all the brands and all the uses, that's good for our affiliate sales. And that shows that we're making sales. But it's also good because it makes really earnest content. Someone can come here and get the same gift that, that I have and that we have as elite athletes which is to try this stuff at no with no skin in the mm. you don't have to pay for something the second you pay for something you're you're inviting a placebo effect you know the second you say this this is three dollars a serving it better freaking work it probably will a little bit whereas you know if it's cents a serving or free it might not so if you can come here no bias and i'll just say hey this is how i found it to work the best and you can put it through the ringers out here with no skin in the game that creates a lifelong believer and that has value i mean objective even measurable value to brands. So uh, do we have all the holes met? Not remotely. I mean, I need a new roof, I need a new front door, like really, really basic necessities around here. But I also think that helps sponsors too. You know, if you know that I'm spending this money on a kid or a car or health insurance, as opposed to just like, I need, I need to feed myself. I need, I need cheap steak 
and a roof over my head, literally need a new roof. It's like, that's, that seems like if it was me holding the cards, I would be happy to know they weren't spending it on the frivolous thing, but instead spending it purely on the dream. The physical space is pretty cool that you guys, that you have, right? It makes it, it, it makes it very tangible. It's like, Hey, come and look, look and see what we, what we have. Mm-hmm. And how is there a, what do you think for like, I don't necessarily want to say like long-term or are you thinking long-term? It seems like you have the next steps in line for something like a camp or like an event. Uh, and that seems like a logical progression. Is there pieces that you look into the future that you're like, okay, this is where I can see it then. Or is it everything is, is do the opportunities come and you seize them when they're there? I think it's a little bit of both. I, I like having a plan because it lets me, it lets me know that the bases are covered. You know, as long as I know that I'm not going to starve and as long as I know that I can expand to meet demand for this, then I'm not, you know, I can sleep deep and, and I, I don't have to stress about anything. But I do think that there's there's possibilities that are going to spring up that I couldn't possibly foresee right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to be mostly flexible and mostly fluid. But that said, I mean, I keep joking that I'm going to be Louis Simmons. If you're familiar with like Westside Barbell, Westside, yeah, just, just a crusty old mad, dude, mad scientist. Like, yeah, he's he's still pliable and he's still finding new things. But at the end of the day, he would rather be the athlete than the coach. He's like a little salty <laughs> about the fact that he's the coach. And someday, I won't be able to run anymore. And and really, when I'm done setting personal records in absolute terms, I'll bow out of the sport. And you know, I want to be able to go for a run and enjoy the wilderness and run my dog and and hang out. But I, I don't want to run at this level forever. I, I don't want to be dehydrated and cold and hot and, and scared. I, I just don't. It, it's too real, man. It's too much. And so at some point, I would like to have the serenity and the, and the wisdom to just kind of like be like, that was a good run. And now I'm done. And since it is, since it is impermanent, it is a transient, really, um, really ephemeral thing. This, this like running career, this, this athletic career, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm building things that really are not they're not hinging upon my ability to perform. Mm. And so when I need to bow out, I'm going to bow out and it'll, it'll just be full-time camps and coaching and all that. So, you know, I have a, I'm forming an offer. Hopefully I'll get this little chunk of land, nine and a half acres right outside town. And so, you know, that's a pretty serious next step. I mean, that'll be, that'll be two dozen yurts we can put up on there and rental properties mm. and, and put some obstacles races. on it. Yep. No, bingo, man. <laughs> bingo. That, that'll be within six months. If we can close on it, we'll have a full loop out there. And so that, that'll be really, I mean, that's an asset to American endurance athletics. And that sounds pretty grandiose, but, but there's no reason that's not, I mean, that, that's a hundred percent the truth. And so I would like to see that available as a proper elite development program for mountain ultra trail running and for OCR running. And if there's money involved in that, I mean, there will be right. I mean, there's a lot of value involved in that. So certainly money, money will show up. And, you know, if we have to go like the nonprofit route, that seems like a good way to do it just because that's how it's being directed right now. And then, mm. the, you know, the 90 percenters of endurance athletes are not vagabonds. They're they're like professional put together type A get shit done human beings, you know, for them to offset a little bit of tax liability by supporting a bunch of monks out <laughs> endurance running monks out in the mountains while they could also just show up at the house at any point. That's that's pretty freaking viable to my mind. And so I think there's like three or four really clean, neat ways that this could go for in the next three years or five years or 10 years or 20 years. And I am kind of, I'm kind of slowly accepting the idea that this is something that'll probably outlive me, which yeah. 
I guess that's kind of cool. That Pretty cool. Motivating factor. I, I really just want this to exist so that I can use it. <laughs> you know, I, I've told people for a few years, this is something that I know will happen. It's just a matter of will it happen in time for me to use it or will it happen in time for me to be the director and the agent and the coach and the landlord and whatever else capacity I need to be involved in. So the fire lit under my ass is to get this to happen so that I can thrive and, and be in my own glory days while this program is going as opposed to, you know, when I'm well over the hill and, and just out there. Cause currently, I mean, there, there are a couple ultra house locations, right? Mm-hmm. And, but uh, th- like more, that's more of like an accessible place for people who are aspiring to be the best athletes they could possibly be, right? It's like, really, ju- truly, it's sister programs. So it's largely, it's largely up to each host to, to mm. create their own brand and decide what they're about. And right. then obviously I can slide them whatever sponsors they might need for their house, which is a really organic way and, and talk, you know, a lot of companies just throw out free product, which is a proven a proven field marketing tactic. You just inundate it with product and people accept that this is a big deal, but you get a lot more bang for your buck when you're making that organic connection. And so we can, we can offer, you know, 20 or 50 or a hundred times better return on investment for, for product than, than any, any next comparable thing just by doing these sister programs like this. But like Miguel and Phoenix, his whole focus is this Hispanic un, underutilized um, under targeted, program so he's he's putting on these really cheap or these free races all the time and he's doing group runs all the time and he's targeting this community of people who from a sponsor kind of business point of view are totally untapped you know there's like millions and millions of people who aren't even being talked to so it's like he's got he's got a hell of a business model right there right off the bat without without really putting in much footwork and then he's putting in the footwork. And so he's he, he doesn't give two shits about elite athletes other than just having them at the house because it makes the brand look good. And it's, right. it creates accessibility for real people. And so everyone can kind of do their own thing. Um, Josh in Utah is big on the backcountry. He's, I mean, he's enough of a runner himself, but he's, he's less of a runner than Miguel, who's less of a runner, you know, Phoenix Miguel, who's less of a runner than I am. And so you have this kind of this, it's just, it really is different. It's not, it's not a hierarchy. It's different angles on the same thing but all united by this idea that you love where you live and you want to, you want to flaunt where you live. And it gives you the permission to kind of be a tourist in your own town when you're hosting people and see things from, from new eyes. And when you really love what you do and where you live, it's a pleasure to, to open it up to people. That's what I was thinking as you were, and then you said it, it's not necessarily like a brand or a concept. It's an idea, right? It's an idea to, to, to bring people into a community that you find valuable. And, you know, I much relate to, to your idea and and your community of like, let's see what we can do. Let's see like what these athletes, what we can get out of them. Because like even the professional teams, they're really, do they like live together like that? And like, it's not accessible, right? That's very exclusive is what these other like kind of teams are doing. So from a developmental standpoint, these athletes are almost already developed and it kind of goes back to the beginning. You're talking about like, those are the people who may use their talent as a crutch to not try to maximize everything because they are so good. And they're already kind of put into this box and invited into this like exclusive community where you're seeing it from the opposite end. And you're like, all right, let's, let's try to build people up and see what we can do. If we just turn all these little knobs the way we can. Yeah. And Um, I think that's what we need in, 
that's what we need in the world right now. I mean, certainly in, in, in this corner of athletes, of athletics, we need development. We don't mm. need we don't need elite support. You know, the the one percent or the point one percent of the top that are already making a living, they have a million options. They can write books, they can do events, they can they can speak, they can do they can coach. But the people who are just shy of that are getting totally neglected for a lot of the year. You know, it's like Team USA stuff for mountain trail running, um, short course, mountain, long course, mountain, hundred k road. These are programs that are that are fully funded usatf calls it you know air quotes here fully funded and like it's peanuts i mean it's it's a third of your travel expenses every two years and that's it whereas a lot of these countries they offer stipends and all kinds of support you know there's the corporate system in japan there's a lot of viable ways to do this and we're not we're just not there yet at least with the strict end of running and yeah, I feel that way. Athlete development on the OCR side of things is something that is really overlooked. And um, that's also a project that I'm kind of taking on as well, trying to see like what we can do and like how we can build these athletes up. But from your your perspective on the ultra space, like is it, what what needs to happen you think for those, uh, like the, those fully funded programs and air quotes to like, stick to like pop like what needs is it is it is it better athletes is it more exposure is it better sponsors need to come in like what do you think is the hold up for um for like developing athletes to really go all in and and see what they're capable of in it yeah i mean there's there's kind of a chicken and the egg thing here where you know, are the athletes, a lot of these companies will say, well, athletes don't bring any money. You know, athletes don't actually Mm -hmm. put in work. They just feel entitled and they, they want, we send them product and they ask for money and we send them money and then that's it. And it's like, (laughs) athletes kind of shoot themselves in the foot with this. And, you know, I usually, I, I just see the deal on new sponsor. And it's like, I I went up to this woman was like, listen, I hate sponsoring athletes. If I had a company, I wouldn't sponsor athletes. And just and like, I'm, I'm characterizing what I, how it went down, but it's like, it was like athletes don't drive anything. They're entitled. They think that they think that being fast is enough. And it's like, that's not what I stand for. I stand. <laughs> I for get it. Yeah. For everything we've been talking about for half an hour. It's like this, this is what it is. And if your product is up to snuff with that, then we can make something and I can hustle. You know, you need media. You're, you're spending money on media. You need somebody to stand there. You need somebody to talk about your stuff at a, at a trade show. You know, I think if the athletes took it upon themselves to say, what can I offer this brand? Not just performances. Mm-hmm. Then that would, that would change the game pretty quick. But then the other thing is if athletes or if a company would rather do 600 ambassadors at cost plus 10%, they're still making money. So mm-hmm. it's like the athlete has to, has to break draw on what those ambassadors could do. Because there's people, you know, these little micro influencers that are that are just happy to be like on a team, that are just happy to be representing some company in some formal capacity, and they're doing it for nothing. A, a company is, it seems advisable to just scoop up 600 of them and still make money off of them than it is to, to front money and send shipping and send the cost of product mm-hmm. and God forbid like a stipend or like even even a quarter of a living wage to an athlete if they're not delivering anything. I mean, they need to really so. It's a two-way street here. It's a give and take, but I think that's that's the conversation that we need to have, as you know, me and my team that we that we will have once a month. You know, when we talk about con, you know, the idea of a of a contractual arrangement here, it's like 
like, comment, save, share each other's posts all the time. Like, comment, save, share, sponsor posts all the time because it, it better be on brand. And if it doesn't feel on brand, then we have to revisit the, the ground level stuff. And so if it's not adding something to my content to share a sponsor or to have a sponsor share me, then we're, we're doing something wrong here. Hmm. So there's, an infinite, there's an infinite number of possibilities in this world, right? I mean, there's an infinite number of ways to do this right. So I think that that conversation is the first step to my mind of wondering support instead of just just complaining and like bitching and moaning about like the fact that i have to live on a couple thousand dollars a year instead of, instead of like you know having an electric vehicle and health insurance it's like right. i mean i have an electric vehicle but it's an electric vehicle, so it's not far doesn't count <laughs> yeah that's and i don't know how much you follow like the spartan stuff like because that's the that's the ends up being the the crux of the issue when it comes to Spartan versus their their pro team athletes and even the athletes at the highest level of of the sport, they just want their results to speak to to be the value in what they're bringing. And Spartan's like, if you don't get those results and you don't race, someone else will get the results, and yeah. then it's the same thing. Like it doesn't yeah. provide us anything. And the athletes are here like, well, we deserve. And that's not necessarily the case, right? And and they don't do a good job of helping us understand how to provide them value. Yeah. And so it's just like this horrible, just like everybody's like butting heads there. So yeah, everybody's disappointed. I, I also think the other thing here is if you if you have like a um like to the victor goes the spoils, if you have this mentality that you're gonna scoop up um I think about like Moneyball, right? You familiar with it? Like, oh yeah, don't Big time. don't get the number one athlete. Get the number two athlete in every position, and your team will be stacked. Way more valuable, yeah. Win. You know, you mm -hmm. don't need to have the best pitcher in the, pitcher in the game. You don't need to have the best hitter in the game. You need to have a team full of competent players. I think if companies looked at it a little bit more like that, it would it would make more waves in the market, and it would do a better job developing athletes. So, mm. You know, if you're if you're an athlete and you want more than about forty thousand dollars a year, you need to work, work a job. You know, like definitely. You need to coach. You need you need to start a supplement company or something like. You need to put in work outside of your sport. The, the the idea that a sponsor should pay you more than more than a simple living budget seems odd to me. Not so much out of fairness to the athletes that are indeed freaks and can put up awesome results, but more to the opportunity cost of missing out on instead of sponsoring one athlete with sixty thousand a year, do three at twenty thousand a year, and the ones that, that deliver keep giving them the same, you know, or or up or up them, you know, throw it's like an investment. There. Yeah, yeah, you're buying low. Seeing, seeing what, see what they can grow. And that's, so I like, I like your, what you're saying. Cause I'm, I'm pretty adverse to the social media thing. As, as I said before, it's like in a world that is just not authentic. Right. And that's where it all lives is a social media piece, but you're, you're starting with authenticity. Like, what do I like? What can I get behind? So it doesn't like suck to peddle the stuff. It's just what you would do anyway where a lot, a lot of these things that just kind of come up to athletes, it's like free stuff. If you do this stuff that you don't really care about. So I like that. It's almost like a, a, a cyclical thing that you have going on. It's like everything works in tandem because it's, it's planned out and it's something that we believe in. Bingo. Yeah. Hmm. So let's talk about some of the performance stuff because I reached out to you. I know you're, you're very knowledgeable in a lot of the things and, and I, and just like hearing you talk about all the things you're kind of putting together and, and sharing the the information that you have. So I asked you, I was like, what are, what are some of the things that you want to chat about on this? And I wasn't, ex I, they weren't answers that I was expecting and <laughs> anything that I was like super familiar with. So the first thing you said was, 
let's talk about sacred sexuality for athletic growth and like well-rounded health. And, uh, I was like, yeah, let's definitely talk about that. And then I had to do research on it because I don't know, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> so let me take a little, like a little stab on it. So it sounds like it has a lot to do with like your being in tune with like your physical being and just like also kind of knowing what, like how your neurochemistry kind of what it's telling you and how to kind of like hone in to it and kind of follow that track. Am I anywhere close as to what that, what that means, the sacred sexuality part? Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think a really good, really concise way to, to say it is every time that you have, that you have whatever, that you are, that you're, that you have sexual arousal, right? You have the potential to create a new human life, right? You, you're, you're, or at least part of your genome is like, we're going to make a new life right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, independent like, let's get ready. That. We got to do it. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're making life now. With that in the modern world. Totally, totally different conversation, politically charged conversation. But, but on the on the raw genetic level, you're you have the energy, you have the capacity to, to create a new human life, which is immense. I mean, that's that is a huge, huge raw force right there. And so the idea with a lot of this, like, like people tend to think if you say if you say tantra, people tend to think like really elaborate sexual positions. People do not think about energy or um like like anything remotely close to 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 what it's to what it's really driving home and i think a lot of athletes neglect this just like they neglect proper nutrition and sleep and and everything else i think they neglect spending time with their body in a in a gentle encouraging enlivening way i think a lot of a lot of the rhetoric in athletics you know how often do you hear somebody like you know i went to the well today or like you know the well was dry today when was the last time, I mean, maybe earnest question, when was the last time you heard somebody refer to filling the well? Right. That you doesn't even like, because right? it doesn't make, like, it doesn't, like, what does that even mean? Right? Like, yeah. how could, how do you fill it? You know, it's like, yeah. so we already have it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So I think, I think the idea of, of mellow training and like training, like, like going out there and training, training easy miles and spending time with your body in a, in a, in a pleasurable sense or in a very, very mindful, mindful state, whether that be during hard workouts, I, I call it excruciating mindfulness. When the whole world disappears and you have to be mindful because you're working really hard, mm. you can get that through, through intense tempo runs, which is some of my favorites. You know, you can get that through, especially when you're crushed by how much you have left. You know, when you're, when you're in a race that's going to take you six hours and you're an hour in and you let yourself think that you're already worked and you have seven hours or you know, five hours or whatever it may be left, you're crushed by that. That's a very healthy place to be. You know, the, the idea that you have agency over what's going to happen, but that it's very, very intimidating is, is huge. And that, that can be achieved through running. Absolutely. You know, through, through high reps in the, in the weight room or through elaborate workouts or grip work where you can't possibly hold on to that thing anymore and you have to, and somehow you just do, but that can also be achieved through heat through cold and absolutely through sex, um, especially especially with this kind of the modern world right now. Like I know the number, we'll put some numbers to it because it's fun as an endurance athlete to put to put numbers to it. The stat is something like, and it's, it was unbelievable for me until I until I got a little bit of um, exposure to the world through this and had people reaching out to me on Instagram, and then I like surfed through Reddit and realized this is the truth. Something like seventy five to eighty five percent of like 
we need we need nice wor- words here, but like penis and vagina intercourse, right? Like <laughs> sessions sessions of, of of like what we would really think of as intercourse are over in less than five minutes, and so it's like you have this disconnect where the modern male is like so quick to the trigger, and the modern female is still wonderfully wired, like like humans probably have been forever and ever and ever, which is you know that 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 mate investment of showing that you know if she might be knocked up for nine months. You better have something to show on the table, and normally that's done through like height and symmetry and nice clothes mm-hmm. and a good job and a nice status, clothes. right? But I, I really think when we were moving around constantly, you couldn't accrue, you know, pre-agriculture, right? Man's a, we were we were more nomadic. You couldn't accrue a huge disparity of wealth, so you couldn't have the nice car, you couldn't have the nice suit. What you would have is skills that would be transferable to the next generation and i i earnestly believe that one of those skills was sexual prowess and so when we when we dive into these things especially as athletes a lot of athletes are like it's like a competitive thing it's like it's real aggressive like just kind of quick and to the point um it's like objective oriented you're like you're like getting somewhere and i think that's a huge thing that holds people back the hmm. the, the idea of this like this like Taoist sexual energy where you're you're breathing this energy up through your torso and down through your backside. That's a wonderful activity to do during like an extended sex date. Um, you know, 90 minutes or so of like breathing this energy through yourself while you're really getting worked up and then going out on a run and doing the same thing, breathing this through this, this like raw energy, you can call it a root chakra if you want, if you want to get weird about it, but like testicle breathing, you can, you can Google that one. I'm pretty sure it's like, it's like breathing in and out and moving this energy around your body you're awakening these things, but you're also kind of getting this, this cross of your nervous system where you're bringing this, this like raw pleasure of your body into something where you tend to think of as work, but they have a lot of similarities when you mindfully inspect them. You know, you're, you're breathing hard and you're sweating and you're putting in work and there's, there's like joy, like the raw joy that gives you goosebumps and makes you giddy. And then there's this excitement of you're getting somewhere and you're achieving something and you're, you're connecting to people, you know, when you're in a race or when you're doing workouts with your, with your friends, there's a really, really deep connection that that's formed there. Mm. And I think that's a lot of like crosstalk that, that could also be used for, for sexual behavior or like my body worker, man. I love that dude. <laughs> the guy's name's Alex and he's in, he's Durango movement. Everybody that comes in the house ends up going there and they end up coming home with like a gift, if you will, of a supple part of their body. And like, you get off that table and you are in love with that dude. <laughs> like, like, it's like it's something like happened. So, There's some chemistry happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's so deep and mindful and, and raw and real that like, you don't have to wonder why it's kind of like eating good food. You don't have to be able to explain why it's good. Mm. You just know that it's good. And I think all these forces are, are such a beautiful thing to integrate, but we don't talk about it. Nobody's really, and like, I am by far not some tantric Taoist expert to be talking about all this stuff, but no one else is. And so like right. I think we're in, this, in this era of athletes, they're totally disconnected from themselves. And then you deal with like trauma, like you, you are instantly suspect as a beneficiary of the patriarchy and, and as a, as a participant, or, or some, some effector of rape culture or whatever as a male. Like you, you are instantly like there's, there's baggage to deal with there. And I think ladies have it way worse um, mm. on basically every front. I mean, la- ladies have to deal with so much pressure in there. And then like guy after guy after guy just like letting them down. It's, it's no wonder people in the modern world 
can kind of take it or leave it with sex. And that was kind of my story coming into a lot of this was I found myself being like, why, why are people so into this? Like, you know, it's, it's such, um, it's such an odd thing. Like there, there's a sex therapist that I recommend for athletes because she's so succinct and she's, she's wonderfully direct. Her name's Kim Anami and she has a podcast called orgasmic enlightenment and she's great. She's quirky and out there. And I mean, she's way out there and she's wonderful. And she's under the impression you can heal anything and everything with sex. She's like, you know, I don't have a cup of coffee. I have orgasms. And it's like, all right. You know, and, and she was one of those where I heard a I heard a quote from her that said, if you don't want to run a marathon after sex, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, how many times have I like busted out my laptop after, you know, post coital and you've been like, like I'll snuggle you for a few minutes, but like I'm really productive right now. Like I'm gonna go do this, babe. Like I'm gonna like I'm gonna like I'm gonna go do stuff. I'm gonna go create. I am worked up. I am zoned in. I'm like activated, and and it was very abnormal to like you know my my partners and 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 to society. It's like what like why can't I just be one of those dudes that just like collapses and sleep right afterwards? And then I kind of got introduced to this idea that that maybe there's there is more to this, and so diving down this rabbit hole uh i like to tell this story with what was this two jfks ago i trained myself to feel whole body orgasmic pleasure like visceral like up my back and into the sides of my head and just like full on um get get weird feeling feeling earnest bodily pleasure as i stepped onto gravel and so like i get myself all prepped up and hyped on the pavement sit on the side of the feel this full oh yeah and feel this pleasure and when i get in the jfk and i get onto the towpath which is the part of the wrist that crushes everybody without mm-hmm. thinking about it without telling myself oh, i'm gonna feel orgasmic pleasure from being on it's like boom it was there without <laughs> without thinking about it like all right for the whole time for like because that's like 35 miles right of of gravel was it the whole time then? it's a little over a marathon it's a little over a marathon and it was actively pleasure i mean i logged it and I log everything, and I logged it as a prayer in a world without God. And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's right." <laughs> and it's like I still don't really know what that means, but I'm positive that it's the right thing to log in there. And so I was so connected with myself, and with humanity, and with the path, and with like my my ancestors, and like my humanity, like my ability to socialize with people, and my ability to to whatever like all, all these different these dis what we what we think of as disparate aspects of our humanity were kind of integrated into this one beautiful artistic expression that i then got to enjoy for hours and hours and hours and so there, there's something to that and so the idea that we can only access these crazy transcendental transcendental profound states through race day is insane you're setting yourself up for failure and i mean you'll get it right you know 10 percent of the time maybe you will show mm-hmm. up there and you'll like have some breakout day but by putting in the work through that's why i usually put them together like psychedelics and sacred sexuality to me are these 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 divergent things that athletes don't realize are at their disposal to experience these crazy transcendental profound experiences and to really really rewire your experience with the world and to harvest energy in something that w- would otherwise be you're, you're losing energy, right? I mean, we're, we're in a culture where like men are are consuming mega doses of pornography. And like, I think porn is poison. So it's like, I know that's kind mm. of a hot take, but it's less and less of a hot take. It's like, I think if you can recirculate that energy, then that's, that's great for you. And that sounds really hippie and woo-woo. But I think the idea that you can 
only handle so much energy in your body. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I had a, a DMT trip and it was too much energy. It was like my whole body, I'm sitting totally still and my whole body felt like it could have just exploded into pure ether. And I was like, no, I love my body. But it was like, it couldn't handle the amount of energy that was within it. It was like, I could feel these little, um, like Stephen Hawking talks about every atom. There's, there's a black hole at the, at the center of every atom. And it's like, I felt like every atom in my body had a freaking black hole. Out energy. I was like, what do I do? with? And that's the same energy that you get when you're really, really trained, you know, when you're like, man, I can crush some people today, you know, like I can do something that I've never done before. And that's really, really empowering. And it's the same feeling you get when you're like, I mean, especially as, as a man, I don't want to like vulgar up your podcast here, but it's like, when you're just like, oh man, like when you're just like, you're getting that, you're like fizzing real hard and you're like, I'm about mm-hmm. to bust. And it's like, well, you can recirculate that energy and handle that and step up, step yourself up to, to circulate that and handle that level of, activation instead of throwing it away and being like oh my god i can't handle this and 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 you know cowering away from that experience it opens up things to you that you really in the modern world you don't ever need open to you and again i think of human history i don't i don't think we've been able to opt out of these transcendental experiences for most of human history you know when you run away from something i I think a lot of us playing in the mountains you've had that experience it's called the near miss phenomenon and i think malcolm gladwell might have might have popularized that if not coined it where if a if a bomb drops on somebody a thousand miles away you feel basically nothing but if mm-hmm. your neighbor gets obliterated and your other neighbor gets obliterated you don't actually get that depressed statistically like you get enlivened because you're like fuck mm-hmm. you i'm invincible <laughs> you know, mountains, it's like you're getting a 14 and you're, you're 500 feet from the summit and it's raining and you're like you know i turn blue at the drop of the hat and you're like shivering and disoriented and you're like i gotta get the top and you get the summit and you're like that's it dude i should i should have never done this i'm gonna die up here like this is this is the end you know this is like i'm scared for my life and then you make it down to the bottom and you haven't died you are flooded with this like empowering man i can do anything that i want like i am a god i can create things and i can do things that i didn't think I could do before and all of these things convene at that point, at that beautiful kind of flow state point of mm. you're almost not adequate enough to do it, but then you are anyway. And and then at that point, it's effortless. You slip into this free flow. And I think it's the same with, with psychedelics and the same with running. And it's, it's, I think good news for males, this is something that I like bring in men who are like, man, like I, I can't hold it in like that. And it's like, dude, that's what you owe. That's, that like that's there's the there's i think it's a Taoist principle it says that the divine feminine is what will take you to god you know she's the creator she is the genesis of everything and that you are you are to respect this you know the the uh, what, what is that hindi or sanskrit or whoever, whoever's word it is yoni right like that's the, that's the, the like the holy um portal like that's vagina right it's, it's holy this like sacred space of of creation where everything comes from and mm. so, like, these, these ladies will get you to God, but the cost of admission, the cost of admission is holding your shit together. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, actually putting in the work and breathing and bringing mindfulness to this and not, like, just trying to get to the finish line as fast as you can. And, and bringing that, that mindfulness into it brings so much energy to it. And this kind of, like, near miss and this, like, if I possibly listen to this, to this certain string on a violin while I'm on mushrooms then my whole world will explode. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, if I could pos- if I possibly did this pace for another 20 miles, then, then I will, I will fall apart and collapse on the side of the ground. 
all these things are are like all kind of the same. But when mm. you break through, and I'll get to that, I'll get back to this point where I was saying like, if I tell fellow males, it's like, if you get to this point with with sex, it tends to be like, I don't know, 25 minutes, 30 minutes for me of like really going at it. Then it's free fall. Then I can just go and go and go and go and go for as long as I want to. Mm. <laughs> right. And if I could just do that with running, oh man, <laughs> life would be beautiful. But I think the truth is, the harsh truth is I can't. And that's you. big. I mean, that's really big. If I can just make it to mile 20 of like 100K and just say, brain, stop thinking immediately. I'm tired of you. You're, you're great. I like reading books and everything, but get the fuck out of my way. You know, like, I'm not in 10 miles. We're not worried about you right now. Like the body's got this one. And diving into that space and letting all these, these disparate aspects conflate and, and my humanity really show up for me is is what I think endurance athletics, it's it's what I think the high, highest use of this is could possibly be. So it's like these things are all, they're, they're lightly connected, right? Like the sacred sexuality and the psychedelic pieces, which I want to talk about a little bit more in depth as well. And like the endurance part, is it more that they're loosely connected or is it more that it's kind of like training one aspect can then give you the belief in the other aspect? Is that, is that kind of how they're, how how they're tied together? I really, I really like, I really like that. The latter, the latter explanation. I think that you're, you're cross training, right? Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and, and beyond that, you're, you're integrating these disparate aspects of your own humanity. You're, you're cultivating a certain amount of vulnerability, which is what it is. I mean, especially like my, like, if you think about these life-changing, invigorating orgasms that, that females are promised, you know, by mm. men for that matter, <laughs> not delivered on over and over and over again, it takes, it takes a lot of vulnerability to keep putting yourself out there and, and to even be open enough to, to create the possibility that those happen again. And I think, I think they are really training one for the other because it's the same exact brain wiring. Again, it's the same exact brain wiring that says, you know what? I didn't have it last weekend, but I'm going to have it next weekend. I didn't have mm. it last training block, but I'm going to have the next training block. You know, I didn't, I didn't have it at the national champs, but at the world champs, I'm going to find that thing myself. And it takes a lot of real raw vulnerability to show up with that, with that openness and that curiosity still after getting burned a few times. And so I really do think that, these are all, it's all a give and take, but you're integrating your own humanity. It's, it's less that you're like putting these things in the little boxes and fixing them and more that you already have all these pieces within yourself and that these specific experiences stress those specific systems in your body, kind of like doing speed work or strength work or activation. Right. It's, it's these simple things that you need to integrate on race day into a perfect flowing running strut or perfect flowing heads or perfect flowing genitals i guess yeah <laughs> so along the, those lines then with the the training aspect right like we know how to train for endurance got it but for the the sexuality part uh the sacred sexuality and like like how you said that you, you trained yourself to feel this pleasure in other aspects as well but what does the training look like for sacred sexuality is it is it just the practice is it like free? Is it volume? Like, what is it that, like, how can you be more in touch uh, with with this aspect of your of yourself? Yeah, I think I think anytime you're bringing mindfulness into this, you're you're playing the right game. You know, you're setting yourself up for success. It really is 
hmm. excruciating mindfulness. I think a lot of athletes have already put in the groundwork for that that headspace of like, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing a hard tempo run and you're positive that this is like 5K race effort today. And you have, you know, four miles on tap or six miles on tap or seven miles on tap. And you're like, I just need to not think about it. And if you just stay present with it, it brings so much more joy to it. And it, it really, it takes the wind out of the sails of getting to some finish line, mm-hmm. getting somewhere. And I think a lot of people, when presented with that idea, it's it's like a light switch. I mean, they, they flip that switch and they change immediately. And so then you can kind of integrate these, these, these disparate aspects of yourself almost immediately. You've already probably been putting in some of the training, but a lot of it is like nasal breathing, right? That's getting really trendy right. with running. And I love nasal breathing with running. And that's a good place to start. If you if you only breathe through your nose during sex, you will probably double or triple or quadruple the amount of output you, that you can do as a male immediately. And if you only nasal breathe as a woman, you will probably find it easier and easier and easier to to get places than you could when you're like all in your head and you're like pushing and twitching and tense and like pressing and and like trying to help this poor male that just like or or female or whoever that that just can't seem to figure you out it's like if you can if you can trust that human being or you can trust yourself you you can get to profound places i believe and so the it's all cross training it's all cross training for each other and that's that's why it's so hard in my mind to even discern them from each other and when i Mm. when i do like consultations with people it'll be like hey you know do you drink a liter of water in the morning what's what's your sleep den look like what's how's your sex life like you know if you can't talk about like vaginal mucus or like more you're missing out on a huge part of not just your hormonal health but your your raw humanity that will make you a happier and healthier person and so Hmm. i think the training is already done you're probably already doing the hardest part of the training you know i don't i don't think anybody needs to go out there and like get a get a freaking penis pump or or do kegel exercises with a timer or anything like i think if you're already doing the the work that you need to do to be the best athlete you can be and if you're not then there's there's a hole in your game right i mean there's there's some of the breath work and some of the mindfulness and and learning how to calm it down and and shut the brain off and just trust the body to do what you need to do yeah that i mean the the mindfulness piece and uh, is really an important aspect for for the endurance athlete in general. Like like you mentioned, like being present with the feeling is it like it like I said. It, like I think you use the term takes the wind out of the sails. But yeah, like takes the power away from like the pain or the suffering that's going to be happening during a workout. It's like nah, it's just how it feels in that moment. It's nothing else but just being there, which I think is is almost an advanced technique for endurance athletes. I don't think that that's Maybe in the, in the, in the ultra world it ha- you kind of have to be there for a lot of it. It's like, if I can't live with this feeling for five minutes, it's, I mean, this is going to, this is going to be four more hours of this. Like you're probably yeah. not going to do very well. So I, I, I like that idea and how that relates back into the sacred sexuality piece. And that, that all, that all makes sense to me. Um, what about the psychedelics? So this, so those, so those two, that this part seems a little bit, adjacent to like endurance training and sacred sexuality where like you said that's it's more intense intense mindfulness it's something you have within yourself psychedelics is kind of introducing something in even though it might bring out an expression that uh, that a chemical that you might already have within you but it's exogenous right it's out it's from the outside coming in so how does that kind of relate to to this idea with performance and training yeah i think i think the there's there's two aspects here 
there's like the shamanic doses, like big hefty doses where you're you're disintegrating the the balance of your body or are just where you need somebody there to to chill you out yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah or or you know you're for better or for worse you're like i'm not a person right now i'm just like pure ether just off in the i'm just i've, I've transcended i've exploded into in the raw energy and i think those big doses kind of turn your eyes on to the potential that your brain has i mean the the one lesson that comes up in every psychedelic user that i've met is these are things that you already had within you. And so it kind of turns your eyes on to what you already have to the, to the ridiculously infinite human capacity. And so that with that in mind, it's kind of a good cram session for everything else that you're doing. <laughs> like, man, I am a creator. Like I can imagine something and create it and then go, go out there and grab the tools and then I can make it happen. And it's like, I'm a God, <laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> I am like, I am amazing. This is ridiculous. Like this human experience is just amazing. And um, so, so there's that. that, that's, that's kind of the big doses and those help you flush out blockages. Cause I think a lot of the stuff that stops us with, with the athletics and, and, you know, I mentioned like sexual baggage and trauma and things like that. It's like, that's, that's serious blockages, but I think we have the same for, our brain, for our careers, for our, mm -hmm. our sense of value. Relationships, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, what we can ask of out of the universe. It's, it's like, th these are these are really deep-seated things that, that will kind of fester in the dark. And these big shamanic doses bring them up in a way that you just cannot possibly avoid. And, you know, I, I know I had one, I had one thing. Uh, I think a lot of people think that I am just someone who has, like, no sense of anality. Like, I'm just like, I'm someone who could just be like an infant and just kind of shit myself and just like, and just kind of roll around in it and laugh and like smell my finger and like think that it's ridiculous. But I think a lot of this is I've done a lot of reading on the topic and I've done, I've had some things come up with, with classic psychedelics of, you know, I, I went to my bathroom and it's like, I'm not a recreational drug user at all. So like, I, I don't, I don't do alcohol. I don't do ibuprofen. I don't, I don't, I don't use, I don't, I don't like getting any i'm not a recreational drug user I don't, I don't like thc i don't like alcohol I don't, I don't like any of it and so you know that tells you my relationship with substances to, to some extent and so i am a little bit self-conscious about like man am i intoxicated like am i am i like tripping right. balls here like what, what's going on here and i had this moment where I, I walked into my bathroom and i have this kind of swirly floor and i'm like sitting there and i'm like taking a pee and you know, I'm peaked. I mean, I'm, I'm really far out there, like pupils or saucers. And I'm like, really, really getting places. And I just have this moment where I realized that I've like pissed all over the floor. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I, like, I, I sat down to pee. I'm like, how does this even happen? Like, like I grabbed this towel. And I'm like, dude, I am, I am so high right now. And like, I become self and like, you know, it's funny now, but it was, there was just it's probably terrifying in my skin. Yeah. Like, shame and like vulnerability and like raw human anality of just like man i am a disgusting creature just sitting here by myself like i should be working a job and instead i'm at home just like listening to weird ass music and getting high and it's like i'm like wiping up this pee and and like i have this this moment where i come into myself and and kind of realize with some conclusion i, I checked the towel later it was dry like i didn't piss on the floor at all like this was totally in my head and this was a feeling that I had first. The, the feeling came in first. And and once the feeling came in, my brain created the whole 
scenario around to facilitate that feeling. So I had this feeling of like anxiety and shame for just being a human critter. And to, to make that feeling feel appropriate, I created this whole scenario around it to justify that feeling. And the realization that we do that shit all the time. You know, you come in there and you're pissed off. And so the next person that walks in the room, they're the, it's, they're the, they're the reason. They're you're an asshole. That person yeah. something that they mm-hmm. did. It's like, no, it's not. You had this feeling that just bubbled up because your body was just kind of going through the motions and stretching out your internal dialogue. And it just happened to have that feeling in there or because you're hungry or you're cold or you're throwing a bitch fit because you're at mile 60. It's like you love your pacer, right? But like, man, it's his fucking fault. He made me eat those grapes or something. <laughs> and it's like to, to see those, I have not found any other way remotely repeatable. You know, there's nothing remotely iterable that will let us go into those places like psychedelics will. And so with that in mind, being able to go to a place like that and kind of face down these things and say, you know what, I'm not going to feel bad. Like I'm a living, breathing, bleeding, shitting, coming organism that, that wants to learn and play and, and I want to be free. And like, I'm not going to fault myself for things that make me who I am. And I would never be able to articulate that and really mean it if it weren't for specifically mushrooms. I mean, mushrooms mm. have done me so much good. So that's that's such a beautiful place to be in. And it's such a quirky, funny, like story time thing to, to share where it comes up. But at the time, it's a whirlwind. It's it's a lot like London Ultra, where at the time, it all feels so desperate and so quick and debobulated. And then months later, you're like, ah, oh, I was just dehydrated. You know, months later, <laughs> I just had and my body just created a story around it. And it's like, it sounds so nice and concise with the lesson after the fact, but it takes months and months and months to really integrate these experiences. And so that's, that's where it leads itself into this, this crazy ultra world. And, and that's another thing where like, I feel like I'm not an expert on this, but I, I feel like no one else is willing to talk about it. Certainly not anyone else that's you know, if you have a Hoka sponsorship or a Nike sponsorship, yeah, yeah. About how much ayahuasca helps you, that's immediately, you're going to starve to death. You're gone. And so I feel, I feel blessed that my life lets me talk about this, that my sponsors are like, you know what? That's on brand for you to try this stuff. We signed up for this. Yeah. The, yeah. so it's, it sounds, cause I have very minimal experience in this and like uh, maybe one or two experiences like you, like you had mentioned in terms of like, I haven't figured out, the, I haven't really figured out the dosage very well with, with the, with the mushroom piece of things. And like, haven't really had uh, much of the experience. And one time it wasn't great. It was kind of like what you had described. And I was yeah. like, that sucked. <laughs> I don't want to go there again. And it's like the things that you're saying are almost scary in terms of, uh, of learning more about, who you are as a person and and a lot of us i'll speak for myself in 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 particular it's like try to shell things out right try to like act like things are the way that i want them to be or the way i picture myself being as opposed to being actually aware of how i'm feeling or who i am in the world and how i like kind of present myself so that just sounds scary man i don't know (laughs) i think i think vulnerability is the, the price of admission. And, and I, I would argue that that we will both be better humans on the whole, you know, better significant others and better friends and faster athletes. I mean, measurably faster athletes. If we can tear the rug 
and face this, draw the demons out of the, out of the closet and just like welcome them in. And, and there's a lot of stuff that, that comes up and it teaches you a certain equanimity when you are digging around through your own, through your own, you know, dirty laundry. So I, I think it should be scary, but what you're describing could easily be talking about, you know, an endurance, an endurance event, like races go wrong and they go catastrophically wrong, especially when you try to try all these new things. Like I'm always trying, it's like stuff goes wrong and it goes really, really wrong. And then it's like, you have to kind of like, somehow hold your head up high and still look at yourself square in the face and be like yeah that wasn't really a failure i just learned one more thing that doesn't work <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and so it's almost like it, it feels like the the approach you're having is almost of of therapy like therapeutic uh like the way that a therapist could help you uncover things only using a tool to help kind of bring down some of the walls and like really help you uh, see things holistically as opposed to trying to like chip away at them, like with, yeah, through like talking, yeah. <laughs> you know, talking I mean, and, and reflection. Are good. Yeah. I think all these things are good. None of them, none of these things should, should exclude or preclude the, the others here where, where you shouldn't, you shouldn't like, I don't even, I hate when runners say, Oh, running is my therapy or running is my mindfulness. And I'm like, if the right. only time you're mindful with your body is when it's uncomfortable, you're like totally wiring the wrong stuff in your brain. <laughs> like what? And, and it's hard. You know, people that do seated meditation have a hard time just following their breath and not letting thoughts percolate through their brain. Oh, yeah. When you're running, you're like you're a carnival ride, man. I mean, there's, there's so much stuff going on and flashing lights and craziness there's no way that that's really the truth you don't understand what's going on or it's just a throwaway statement that you've inherited and you don't actually teach them i think that's what it is right because people say that all the time it's like oh that's my meditation it's like like really because it's the opposite like you said it's for me it's the opposite of meditation it's just like yeah. a, a, a stream of random thoughts coming in and like and just coming in and out where mindfulness is probably trying to stay in, in, in one spot so yeah so it's like so then the so you think that the psychedelics are more like would it work for a track athlete as well as much as it is as it would for an ultra athlete because it sounds like you you think so yeah i think so and part of that is based on the friends of friends and the direct friends that i have that are that are going to the trials and that are running you know low 13 in the five Okay, for example, one person coming to mind and like, I can't out him or anything, but like he credits a lot of his success to mushrooms. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of one of the things that we get along and we can joke about. And it's like, the dude is so fast. I mean, there, there are people that are competing for Olympic team spots that if they could talk about it openly, they would credit a lot of what they're doing to specifically mushrooms and ayahuasca team seem to be, seem to be top of the list. I'm not sure if that's availability or or trust in the in the things or just the setting that people tend to do for mm. for those substances that facilitate that i don't think it's not necessarily the substance that has to do it's not like psilocybin or dmt are necessarily appropriate for runners more so than like lsd for example right. but <laughs> it's not hurting the aerobic capacity right yeah i, I think there, there's some there's something to the idea that a lot of the nhl a lot of the track athletes and a lot of, I mean, a, a lot of elite athletes that, that you're not going to hear about are, are, would easily credit it. You know, when they have a book in 20 years, it'll have chapter or two or three in there about psychedelics. And so people are very fun. And I, you can think of that have credited them with, with anything, but I think it's a very, it's a very quiet, probably not a majority, 
but a big, big chunk. So, yeah, because the way you were describing it before and you were kind of comparing it to a feeling that you would have late in a race, right? Where like you're, you're mad at your pacer just because of this, of the stress that you've taken on and, and like, and these things kind of pop up before. And I think, uh, I just think this a lot and like high school runners in particular or collegiate runners are like this a lot too. It's like the training and everything points to a specific result, but the results they're not getting, there's like a mental blockage there, right? Like something happens on race day where, you know, if, if it's just, um, their confidence or just like their self-worth or something is tied up into this result that they just can't really get by. So you're saying like these experiences could help people kind of move them. Is that kind of how you think that people are getting the results that are leading them to like, yeah, low 13s Olympic trial qualify uh, caliber type performances. Yeah. I think, I think the, the big shamanic doses are blowing the lid off of your self image. <laughs> you know and that's, that's kind of the scary part right i mean that's that's what people when they talk about like heroic doses and ego disillusion and like the idea that you that you're you feel like you're dying because you you you're you feel like your grip and your 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 habitation or your what's what's the right words like your your your, your existence within your body is is gone <laughs> and you're like that's it. i'm you know like i, I am this is permanent now that. this is who i am now yeah yeah yeah, you can interpret that like a temporary thing or a forever thing or a good thing or a bad thing, but you can't really get away from that experience. And that's the kind of experience that makes you say, you know what? I can cut an hour off my 100K time. Like, I'm positive I can. You know? And it's like that, you don't really unsee those things once you see them. And and, and there is a certain mindfulness that comes from, from like shaking the snow globe, as I think, I think that's a Michael Pollan thing. <laughs> like, um, just, just like totally just bringing some turbulence into it and resettling everything. And so having, having that is probably good. I think that the other end of this is microdosing, which is a huge thing around this house. And again, I won't house anybody, but like, like you guys know who they are. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Like, like being able to, being able to take a little bit of LSD and going out and running. I think some of the value is that it punishes you for being not mindful because it makes it even more pleasurable to be mindful and even even more terrifying to be not mindful and i'm talking like a museum dose as we would call it in the psychedelic world of it's a small dose it's not a micro dose it's a small dose you know when okay. we're talking about mushrooms you know like a tenth of a gram up to three tenths of a gram might be a micro dose a gram might be a museum dose it's a gram and a half might be a museum dose whereas like two and a half three and a half four and a half grams might be a shamanic dose hmm. and the the microdosing to solidify that mindfulness or to say it like i'm going to take this this substance today and even just feeling different while doing something that you're highly highly trained to do i think has immense value to have kind of this childish brain where all the plasticities go in and all your neurons are firing in a new way but to be like this <laughs> is amazing you know like i, I had this experience i had this experience and this this kind of bridges the gap as well between the psychedelics and, the, and the, the the sexuality angle. I had this experience where I was looking at my legs and of course like the tattoo on my one thigh is like totally like vibrating and electrocuting and like all this craziness. And I just like looked down at my legs and I was like, this is so beautiful. Like I like I am so grateful for you for taking me places. Like even even the me that resides in my brain, like that isn't really my body, even like the soul, if you will, of me, 
Like, I love being a body. I, I like, and like not just having a body and using a body, but it's like, I like being a body. And I just like took my legs and put them up to my, up to my chest one time and just gave them this hug. And like, I meant it so deeply that, that like I, there's this, there's this Toltec thing of, of if I can get the order right, like, um, which I won't, but like, I'm sorry, forgive me, thank you, I love you, or I love you, I'm sorry, forgive me, thank you. This, this, it's like, there's a name for that. And like, I must have said it, what, what felt like for three years, I was just on a mountaintop in my bedroom saying this one time on, on, a, on a trip. It must have been about eight minutes. I mean, it was, it was combusted and insufflated DMT, free base. And, and I, it felt like, it felt like I was saying it for, for a decade. And I came back and it was like eight minutes later. And, it was just like this relationship with my body that, that my body just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And is that going to make me faster? Maybe, maybe not. But if it makes me slower, it brings me so much more joy and makes me more apt to talk about it and share this experience with people. That makes me a better human being. And that also makes me more valuable to sponsors. So it's like, who's the better athlete then? And it's like, I'm the better athlete professionally, maybe, even if you're the better athlete across the finish line. And so all these things just get so dicey and gray and integrated. But I think, I think the idea that, that we, we get to inhabit these bodies is, is such a beautiful thing. I don't even remember what we started with with this. I'm just like riffing at this point. But man, it's such a beautiful thing to, to, just, to just engage with yourself. And, and, and again, I mean, I feel like that gaps the, the, the sacred sexuality conversation. Because mm-hmm. you're, acknowledging, you're acknowledging this equal sentient being that, that, you, are, that you are whatever exploring and like and adoring and like giving attention to and it's like and they're, they're doing the same and this kind of like beautiful reciprocal thing that you can have with yourself and with your body and with time and space and distance and all these things kind of come together and it's just such a beautiful expression of humanity to my mind and it again like i'm not an expert on any of these topics i don't i don't feel i mean endurance i'm, an, I'm as much of an expert as anybody is like i'll i'll give it on that i'll give myself that but I just wish more people that had more expertise than me could engage with some of this information, or maybe I can get on more uh, crunchy podcasts out there yeah. about <laughs> because it's it's great. I, I really appreciate the platform here to come on here and just kind of stumble over words <laughs> and just kind of riff with you here because I think it's something that needs to be talked about. It's something that we're leaving we're leaving time and joy on the table by not discussing it. And is it just the legality of it, right? That it's like. The, because is that just tied to how people f- would feel about these experiences? Like, like how you said, like, uh, like how you feel about just recreational drug use, right? Like, are, are most people not willing to take this, this plunge into this world? Well, availability, obviously, yeah. but that's also comes along with the legality of it. Like, um, the, the sacred sexuality stuff, that seems like it's something that, people are going to have to come face to face with and just really agree that they're needing to go and learn and feel, feel more of themselves and with practice. But with this, with the psychedelics, it just seems like, do you think most people would be adverse to it because of, yeah, just like it's, we're not allowed to do it. Or like, what do you think is the holdup? I think, I think, I think the sexual, and the psychedelic end are both very culturally repressed beyond yeah. beyond the need to repress them legally. I mean, if you're told that LSD is going to scramble your chromosomes and give you schizophrenia 
Yeah, you're going to have a few bad trips. <laughs> like you're, you're certainly, or if you just if, if you're in a culture where you just take it and go to a dead show, it's like you you may or may not have the best experience with these things. And so, I think there's a lot of baggage to the art with with everything we're talking about, even the endurance athletes. I think a lot of endurance athletes are these real harsh force against force type a gritty get it done for sure and that is direct and in, in direct conflict with the idea of like pure joy and discovering your limitless whatever critter out there and so i think the cultural baggage is as limited as the legality with all, all this stuff because i you know nothing is stopping people from having amazing you know hour two hour three hour sex dates with their significant others except themselves and yet mm -hmm. no one's having these like no, no one no one is is like oh my god like that just changed my life like i, I i've had days i've had days from all three of these things i've had days where i microdosed lsd came in had a, had a two three hour sex date went out for a run and it was the best run in a, in a two-year period it was it was life-changing sex earnestly like viscerally affirming sex that like we are incredibly powerful creatures and it's like we can do amazing limitless things and it's like there's all three of them in a right? <laughs> it's like people people can still do that without the without the substance right your 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 baggage is your own and, and that's something where you have to get in there and clean it out and i think that's what i'm kind of answering every question with Audrey answer here of it's all so reciprocal because it doesn't matter how you do it you can get into the cold and say it's okay i'm not going to die it's okay i'm not gonna die for 10 minutes you know if, if you're in a 40 degree type of water with with circulating you're gonna have to say that for 40 minutes probably and so you are going to develop some excruciating mindfulness that's going to serve you well in running and in life and in anything you choose to do with your amazing human body cool man i think that that's a good period on the thing I think, yeah that, i think we easy. nailed it that felt that felt seminal yeah <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, uh, being honest. This has been a, 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 such an interesting conversation for me. And I love everything you're doing at the Ultra House and what you're doing for uh, your community and for our community here at OCR. It's, um, it sounds like you got big things coming. So, uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time, dude. Yeah, dude, Rich, man. You get the brand at this point. So, if you want to swing by, I'll sit for you. I'll, I'll hold your hand while you fight demons and all. <laughs> i'm sold count me in we, we can get as weird if you want to get out here so yeah come on by the house same as your listeners i mean i think a lot of you guys already already know what i'm what i'm doing after all this get on by it's it's not a matter of of talent it's a matter of the severity of your focus for the week or month or whatever it is that you have to be here weekend so come on by you know and anything that i can that i can add to your story i'm, I'm all about doing Cool. Cool, man. So I'll link to your socials and, and everything like that where people can kind of find you. Uh, and what is just, what's your Instagram just um, so people can can look you up? It's just at Anthony Kunkel, and that's phonetic, K-U-N-K-E-L. And I'd like to think anybody in this world can just type in Anthony and I'll be the first one up there with my gingery mugshot. <laughs> they'll, they'll see you. All right, cool, man. I'm just going to hit stop and we'll head back to that, that first screen, man. So cool. all right, that's it for us.